Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. That's pretty bad. 128 to 112. The Raptors lose to the Giannis-less Milwaukee Bucks. Now, here's the thing. It's kind of a... That's tough to stomach, losing to a, you know, a Bucks team without Giannis. But at the very least, you can look at the other side. They did have Dame, and Dame played awesome. The Raptors, maybe most disappointingly in this game, were not able to hold Dame at the point of attack. And that's because Dame, he did a litany of things, which I'll get into, of course. But the the defensive response was really bad. Even Scotty after the game saying they they really didn't have much for him. That's not a quote. That's paraphrasing kind of what he what he summed it up as, as far as their responses. And Scotty was one of the lone bright spots in this game, of course. Pascal Siakam, a quieter game. We saw a lot of the same things that happened against Philly, where the Raptors are struggling offensively and they go to the low post with Siakam. Siakam gets doubled quite often, and he did in the low post in this game. He's not able to manipulate the defense to create the the corner pass or to create a lay down. They're helping from one pass away at the top, so that's where the pass goes. They miss a lot of threes in this game. They shoot 9 of 33. They don't really get anything good out of those post-ups, i.e. Siakam, a quiet game. Uh, super worrying, obviously. Well, maybe not super worried, just disappointed so far that Siakam currently is on an 0 for 14 three-point streak he hit that three to open up overtime against the Spurs and he's missed 14 straight since then Siakam he's changing roles and he's doing things differently and a low volume night tonight he didn't play the fourth quarter but needs some of those threes to drop that's Pascal is a guy who you can say he needs to be the offense needs to revolve around some of his skills. That's true. It does. I'm glad it shifted a little bit more that way. Some of the Raptors' better games offensively, uh, and especially the games where they do better in the paint, come when Pascal is being featured uh, in his best spots. But this is a guy who's been shooting between like 33, 37% from three. Having him drop down to like 23% is completely untenable. It's um, it's it's been really tough. That's That's one of the things that stings. The really good thing and something that for the people who are subscribed over at raptorsrepublic.com, get ready for it. And for the people who aren't, um, feel free to subscribe. But I'll be writing all about Scotty Barnes' uh, pick and roll possessions, which have been awesome to start the year and ha- were awesome tonight. The biggest problem, though, and let's talk about it, they gave up 128 points. Two notable things, obviously. Malik Beasley goes 8 for 11 from downtown. Damian Lillard. 9 of 18 from the field, not crazy. 4 of 10 from downtown, not crazy, although some of the makes were. And 15 of 16 from the line. Maybe a couple of those trips or, you know, superstar reputation. I get that. But a lot of the time, he's he's beating the Raptors to the bucket. He's getting fouled because they're shifting over. 
And the guy had 13 assists, 37 and 13, completely undid the Raptors. The Raptors, the big problem was, and Jakob said he wasn't meeting Dame forcefully enough. He wasn't beating him to enough spots. And Dame was splitting a lot of these actions. If they were double drags, he was beating the hedge around the corner. If they tried to get wide with Jakob or Precious or whoever, um, although they did start switching with Precious. And Dame was also, if they tried to beat him by getting wide first, would just split it down the middle. And the Raptors, we saw Pascal on him. We saw Scotty on him. We saw Dennis on him. We saw Malachi on him. Nobody could nobody could really stop Dame. And everybody was put into a lock and trail position. Dame is one of the best pick and roll point guards of all time. If he's playing well, feeling spry, he knows how to manipulate, set his man to a screen, especially as big as Brooke Lopez. And, you know, Bobby Portis, he's not so bad either setting screens. He knows how to set up his man and get downhill. He did just an awesome job, and he was so quick getting downhill too. I thought the Raptors should have been in a deeper drop. Maybe the response would have been from the Bucks to start setting those screens higher so that instead of being funneled to the mid-range, that Dame would be funneled to, you know, that, that pop and stop three. I don't know, but we didn't really get a chance to see that because the Raptors didn't really make that adjustment. Uh, the big adjustment was that Jakob just didn't really play. And then we saw quite a bit of Precious and then the and a little bit of Chris Boucher, of course. And then after that, the Raptors made their run in the fourth quarter playing predominantly zone. And, and paired with that zone on the other end was, man, a great run from Scotty. Scotty was super impressive, and we'll talk a lot about that, of course. But uh, the zone, it was working for a little bit. And it eventually, as that's kind of what zone does, like zone on average in the NBA, teams who play zone give up a higher points per possession. Uh, it's it's more efficient offense for the offense. And it's not because zone never works. Zone typically works for a time. And then teams will usually go like too long on zone and they'll give up like two or three threes or like two threes in a layup and it'll just completely throw the stats out of whack. So knowing when to put zone out there knowing when to throw it in the trash can after you've used it is really important. And they only gave up one three, I think. That's good. And he, maybe he was waiting to see if it would normalize, but the Bucks just started hitting, 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 and then eventually just hit a layup and that kind of, okay. It's no longer three-point variant. That was when the Raptors got it to less than 15 because Scotty was being awesome on offense, of course, but uh, the shot making by the Bucks was just too good down the stretch. Anyway, so Scotty. We're looking at a guy who he's getting downhill and, and doing a pretty good job of making difficult shots in that like eight to 12 foot range. That is where a lot of teams are going to allow you to be like, if you want to take the shot there, they really love 17 feet. They're also okay with eight to 12, especially if they have a big like Brooke Lopez stepping up and, you know, splitting the difference between uh, splitting the difference between he and the roller. Scotty snaked a couple hit some really difficult push shots, kept the offense alive in really difficult situations. And then a, a little bit more in the second half, getting downhill with pace, um, making some of those jump passes and laydowns, which really, really improved what the Raptors were trying to do offensively. Um, and so that, that was just something that I was really happy with. Yeah, it could be the cable, guys. I guess we'll see. Um yeah, I have to pay a little bit more attention to that. I hope it's better now. That's what people seem to say in the chat. Um, for audio listeners the next morning or whatever, my apologies. Um, yeah, at the point of attack, I guess we could talk about the pick and roll stuff. Uh, I talked about how Dame 
was beating the hedge around the corner. I talked about Dame was splitting if the hedge got too wide too quickly. And, and I talked about how the Raptors didn't really respond with drop and how we're looking at a team that, you know, probably should have tried to respond with drop and, and see how Dame navigates the middle because a lot of those, like it wasn't like Dame was snaking into spots and doing the slow, methodical Luka Doncic, you know, hezzy, hezzy, bump, push shot type of foul drawing. He was taking these big straight line drives with a lot of speed to them getting pushed off his line or getting a bit of contact towards the end of the play and drawing fouls that way. And where the Raptors were in catch-up positions where they're trying to, you know, beat him to a spot or trying to beat him to the glass or something. And I felt it would have made a lot of sense for the Raptors to try and disrupt that flow and drop would have done a really good job of that, I think. And they didn't really go to that. Um, they And as I mentioned earlier, they did go to Precious to try and switch more of those actions. But Dane was just really impressive. Uh, the one shot he hit in Grady's face, that that step back, my God. Just really, really impressive shot making. Um, let, we could talk about Grady, I guess. Grady did a, Grady needs to hit more of his shots. One of six from downtown. He's not going to cut it. Uh, I He got to the line for six free throws. He did a pretty good job of, you know, like that little head fake, pump fake, putting the attacking the right foot against the closeout. Um, not right as in right versus left, but the correct foot um, on closeout so he can get past guys' hips. Um, he's not that quick, though, so they were able to catch up. And I think teams are cluing in to the fact that Grady is looking to make a lot of those parallel drives instead of go all the way to the bucket. He had he had a couple, and he, he, tried, he tried one against Brook, which I was like, it's trying one against Brook is, that's... That's impressive. Um, but a lot of times when he does those drives, he's just kind of like driving parallel to the free throw line, looking to make a pass. And he probably has to be a little bit quicker on the trigger. I know this this offense, they're trying to find like a bit more motion, a little bit more passing. But it, Grady, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to put the ball down, you know, you're not going to shoot the three-point shot that comes to you. You're going to pump and put the ball down. You have to be ready to shoot probably after that first dribble you take. And he's he's a lot of times is, you know, pump fake, put the ball down for a second dribble, and he's getting into these jump pass situations. And Tyrese Halliburton is a really good example of somebody who jump passes with purpose. He'll get airborne knowing the pass he wants to make and knowing that his jump will help manipulate the passing lane further or even perhaps create a passing lane that wasn't available or a passing angle available to him prior and Pascal is a guy who sometimes he does this, um, particularly when he's trying to beat the weak side zone. Pascal will snake middle and he'll make a jump pass where he decides where he's passing based on how his jump creates the response from the weak side zone. Um, he also turns the ball over during this jump pass, um, typically when he's fading away from it. Um, maybe some core strength he needs to work on and it's just a difficult pass to make. That's that's less purpose than Tyrese Halliburton and less precise than Tyrese Halliburton. And then you go another step down, and that's Grady, where Grady, there's not a lot of premeditation in the pass he's trying to make. He's just kind of getting like caught in a jump. And because he was jump, he, I think he's a habitual jump passer. Like he, he likes to pass and jump. And it's important that when you jump, it not be habitual, but be purposeful. And that's probably where Grady's stuck right now is like, you know, stay stay groundbound on a couple more of these, maybe a few more bounce passes, 
be a little bit more cognizant of the angle that the the guy next to you is playing off of you. And we'll see how that kind of works out. But I, I still think his passing is largely a positive relative to a lot of rookies and uh, definitely a positive relative to a lot of shooters who come out of the draft. And yeah, two of 10 is tough. One of six is tough. I, I do believe the shooting will come around. But um, the good news is that Grady, he was out there. He's getting reps and uh, he, he shapes up and finds himself in three-point positions. Um, I could only be disappointed in Grady if I didn't think that these shots eventually start dropping. And I do. So he's getting 10 shots up in 26 minutes. Pretty happy with that. I like to see the volume up. And I guess we'll see what happens with Grady going forward. The shots have to go in, but I'm a, I'm a firm believer that that will come around. And I love a lot of the in-between stuff with his game. I think he has a really impressive... Um, he reads the court really, really well. Not on some of those plays where he gets overwhelmed while on ball, but in general, I think he has a really good idea how to map the court for where he wants to go and where he wants to be and how that helps out some of his teammates. Um, tonight wasn't the best case of that. We've seen it pop a little bit more in other games. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, most importantly, with the pairing of Grady and Scotty in the future. Scotty, 11 of 19, he finishes with 29 points, 7 assists, 9 boards. Scotty, when he's, you know, pursuing the ball with purpose, when he's really aggressive, you know, he's not the biggest guy out there at all points in time. He's not the fastest guy out there at all points in time. And he's not the strongest guy out there at all points in time. But he is probably the number one composite average of those three things on the floor at any point in time he is so big out there man uh he, he was really impressive coming downhill in the pick and rolls and as i mentioned at the top if you want to read my piece about that subscribe to raptorsrepublic.com it'll be out tomorrow morning we have a, a guest well not a guest a, a listener question from giovanni I guess there's a gag order on not talking about Siakam or asking Darko Siakam questions, leveraging the media pass access. Uh, he gets asked about Siakam all the time. He didn't get asked about Siakam tonight, but I, so I guess I'll talk about the not playing the fourth quarter. The substitution pattern was the same for Pascal. He was going to, I'm assuming they were planning to put Pascal in midway through the fourth quarter which they oftentimes do. Pascal is a big third quarter guy. Scotty is a big Scotty and, you know, well, mostly Scotty is a big fourth quarter minutes guys. Uh, they like to split them up that way. And I'm assuming Pascal, if the game had been close, would have come in around like maybe the seven minute to five minute mark, depending on how the subs go. Only the Raptors were just absolutely getting beat really bad. So he didn't make it in. I don't think Pascal Siakam got like, benched for the fourth quarter they were down by like 30 um they were probably seeing that he played 28 minutes in this game and said maybe he just doesn't go back in so i don't think uh i don't think that's particularly dramatic and i think that's something that um a lot of the the writers and people with media passes um myself included that was what i was thinking after the game so i didn't think it was worthy of a question i wanted to talk to darko about Scotty's pick and roll. And I got a really good answer. And I'm excited to use the quotes in tomorrow's piece. Um, and, and I asked I asked Darko about Scotty's pick and roll. I asked Jakob about Scotty's pick and roll. And I asked um, Scotty about Scotty's pick and roll. <laughs> and uh, that's what I want to ask about. But I think most of the, 
the reporters were just asking about overall the game, stopping Dame, you know, finding better offensive process, mostly that. Nobody zeroed in on Pascal, but there's not a gag order or anything. Pascal, after his game where he took, what, seven or eight shot attempts against Philly, everybody was asking Darko, like, how do you let that happen? You know, asking about Siakam. They ask about him quite often, um, just not in this game. Uh, so, yeah. But I, I do I do think that Darko has been using Pascal a little bit differently in early offense. They go to the post more. Um, some of that is still dictated by Siakam beating guys up the floor, doing early work. But again, uh, Siakam today, the the Bucks they did a really good job zoning up off of his, um, off of his post ups. He got a lot. He drew a lot of doubles. He made the passes out. There was a stretch where the Raptors missed like, man, four threes just off of, just off of Siakam passes out of doubles, and um, yeah, so. This was not Siakam's game, certainly. And the big problem is that Siakam went 0 for 2 from 3, and Brooke Lopez was sitting there for the drives. And Siakam, it was just like, it was tough. Um, it was a tough game. He didn't play as well as he should have, certainly. And the, the Bucks in the play type where Siakam has been eating really well and um, like doing fantastic stuff. Uh, the Bucks had a really, really good game plan for how they wanted to guard Siakam in the post. I see like a couple, like one guy says Siakam's trash, time for Siakam to go. Uh, we have another, you put Siakam in the post and they had a chance to beat the Bucks. I They did go to Siakam in the post. It's just the Bucks doubled him and they missed threes. And I think they went away from the post and more into the high pick and roll with Scotty. And that worked. But by that point in time, it was, you know, just, <laughs> it was uh, like a 30 point game. They can't come back from 20-plus every night. I know they did against the Spurs. I know they did against the Wizards. But, yeah, they um, they just – this wasn't the game. Um, the Siakam stuff, he, he didn't have a good game. Like, flat out, simple. Um, I think in the minutes that he played, uh, I think that the – I think that they went to Siakam in the post often enough. And I think that the Bucks played really good defense against it. Um, like I mentioned, they zoned up the weak side to take away the corner pass. The 45 cut wasn't coming um, at the proper time to create, you know, rim looks for that pass into the middle as maybe a guy like Chris Boucher would make or, you know, OG Ananobi would make. They're playing a couple more guards out there with Dennis and Malachi. That's maybe not, you know, a, you know, a pass that you make or a cut that you make. They send help from the top down to Siakam. Siakam tries to bait the help as deep as possible on the double. Then he makes the play. He makes the pass out. The the second or sorry the um the Bucks start doing X out closeouts. The one guy comes up, moving off of the other player above the break. The guy who just doubled rotates over to the guy who the man above the break moved on from, and they're trying to zone up all these possessions. And that's how they're guarding Siakam's post ups. And they did a really good job of splitting the difference in space. And the Raptors didn't do a good enough job. A, hitting out of those, making progressive reads out of those, and puncturing the paint afterwards. And part of that is maybe Pascal didn't get the double deep enough on some of them, but also Pascal just, he's making the read that he's supposed to. Um, we have uh, Siakam never shows up against top-tier teams. He has no signature wins for this team against top teams or just signature efforts where things aren't going well, but he keeps up hanging around. Man, I hope you enjoy this team. 
you sound very negative. I hope that, you know, you obviously dislike Siakam, but uh, that that's tough, man. I hope you enjoy other aspects of, of the team. Um, as far as like the Raps overall, man, they miss Gary. Man, they miss OG. Um, it's, you know, the, the chain they give out after each game. <laughs> I wonder if they feel tempted to, uh, um, I wonder if they feel tempted to just give it to OG after these games. Um, it, it like, <laughs> they, they miss him a lot. He would have helped a ton, um, with Dame, both at the point of attack and as a guy to perhaps they do some nexting on the defensive end and obviously providing spacing and some of those cuts against the doubles. Would have been nice to have him. And Gary, he got injured right after he started playing better. I mean, it's just tough, man. They're they're, they're missing important guys. They didn't play their best game. And the, the biggest problem, obviously, is that this is a game where offensively, man, it's... <laughs> offensively, they struggled for a lot of it, but they lost this game on defense. Um, you wonder if they might have been able to claw back into this thing with with Scotty kind of popping off offensively, like Scotty was awesome. He really turned it on down the stretch. And um, yeah, I think that's something that they might've been able to do if they had an answer for Dame at the point of attack, but this wasn't Dennis's best game. Neither was the last one. Dennis having, you know, a bit of trouble trying to keep up. And also like the Raptors, you know, I mentioned all their, I don't want to rehash it, but I mentioned all the different things they tried to do defensively to stop Dame and none of it worked. And also, you know, there's um, Malik Beasley going eight for eleven from downtown. It's they're shooting the you know they're shooting the hell out of the ball. They're doing a really great job. Um, Hy brings up something really important. Shooter seems really banged up. Yeah, Shooter. I was surprised he played this game because um, I, I was surprised he played this game because they were talking about how he hurt his knee and how he did. Um, he was kind of testing it out prior to this one. Back to <laughs> Back to Scotty in the pick and roll. Sorry about the mic, everybody. This, I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going on with it. But um, back to Scotty in the pick and roll. If teams are going to play lock and trail on Scotty, similar to how they play it on a guard, for example, um, basically you play lock and trail on a guard to funnel them towards the big. And the big thing is that bigs are able to split the difference between their big they're covering and the guard coming downhill. And typically it is a guard and someone smaller than the big who they're comfortable contesting against at the rim. And with Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes has none of the qualms or hesitations that guards are going to have about attacking um, Brook Lopez. We've seen Scotty have a lot of success attacking Brook Lopez. We've seen him have a ton of success attacking any number of big men. And we've seen just a countless countless occasions of Scotty really finding success getting downhill. If teams are going to play lock and trail on Scotty, you're funneling him towards a big and he doesn't care. That's a big part of it. And I think when Scotty started getting going downhill um, with Yak providing really good screens, we also see Scotty create a quicker step up from the big who doesn't want to let Scotty get that close to the bucket because he knows, hey, this is a guy who I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with at the bucket. This is a guy who can, you know, challenge me there. I have to meet him a little bit earlier to change the types of shots he's taking. And Scotty does, you know, a fantastic job. So the big man is stepping up to force that pass. And Scotty's making these really great check down reads to his big, Jakob, 
who is finding the right pacing to maintain that passing angle between the two of them. And obviously, Scotty, too, is that he's a lot bigger. So and he, he has a higher release point on his passes. He doesn't need to put as much um, arc on his passes when he's going to the corner, either strong side or weak side. And I just he was really impressive today. Um, I'm going to dive into a bit of film uh, after this. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I've seen a bunch of it already, but I'm going to go look at a bunch of it again because Scotty has been super, super impressive in the uh, in the pick and roll. And not just in this game, um, in quite a few games. Um, yeah, we do need more shooting. Phoenix plays E, Scotty pressing the rim equals great. We still need shooting, man. You know, 9 of 33 is not good. That's not gonna. That's not gonna cut it. Like Malachi's 0 for eight. This is a guy he shouldn't go 0 for eight. Pascal's 0 for two again. He's missing threes again. Dennis is one for four. Grady's one of six. Boucher one of three. Jalen McDaniel's one of four. Achua goes one for two. That's a major win as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah, Pascal, man, more shooting would help. It was nice that he was shooting like 38, 40 percent to start the year. It's been tough that he's missed every shot over the past, what, four games? That's difficult. Tough to stomach. Yeah. I guess Dallas, Celtics, Wizards, and now the Bucks. Four games without a three, and he's still putting them up. And you know what? The coaching staff and his teammates are definitely telling him to keep shooting. Of course they would. He's hit a lot of shots. He's taken enough threes in his career. They say three-point shooting, the percentage normalizes at 750 attempts he's cleared that i'm fairly certain we should know where he is as far as like his 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 jumper um but it's it's been a weird little trend for him um i don't expect this to continue across the season but it's been um it's been tough um from phoenix plays e so is it safe to say pascal 2019 20 pull up three shooting was fluky yeah, I've been talking about this for like two years, I think. it's We're not getting back to that. He shot 34.9% on his pull-up threes in 2019-20. We're not getting back there. Um, that's like 35% on pull-up threes is insanely high. And then also, he was taking more pull-up threes than catch-and-shoot threes that season too. And um, so... That's that's something that I don't expect uh, from from Pascal Siakam. Although, okay, so Giovanni keeps talking about a channel that he won't name. I do a thing here where I I don't talk bad about other creators. I don't talk bad about other people. I don't even I don't even watch other people's content. Okay, like I I don't watch basketball content. I like other stuff. I uh, I like. I do enough basketball work on my own. I try to keep basketball away from like my personal life and my interests. And you'll never hear me talk bad about someone else talking basketball. So we're all just trying to talk about a game that we all love. That's my stance as far as anything else goes. Um, I listen to Nikaias. I don't listen to the dunker spot. Um, I don't listen to anything. I would not lie about this. Um, Typically, it's good to say you listen to stuff, but I don't listen to anything. You guys can say cap. I don't. I don't care. Um, you could look at my my Spotify or whatever. I'm not listening, um, and and that's okay. Um, I'm missing out. Hey man, 
like this is my job you know that's uh i do this for hours and hours a day i don't like when i go for a walk i don't want to listen to like basketball talk or whatever that's i listen to baseball during baseball season but uh yeah from sam barefoot who's the most gettable three-point shooter from the around the league you'd like to have one on the team hmm who would i like to have on the team who's gettable <sighs> that's a really interesting i think buddy healed probably um buddy healed is like fantastic i think he would help um i think he would help a lot of what the raptors do he's so good on uh he's so good in motion he's so good at recognizing when he needs to cut to drag people around the court he's so good moving through actions with a live dribble in addition to what you know the pacers are trying to do with him just off ball he can give you all the stuff and in between he's obviously not the hub of an offense but he can run through he can make a lot of the reads that are necessary outside of like the corner actions he can do like pick and roll in a pinch especially the the empty side stuff and his pull-up three is there the motion threes are there the rote catch and shoot threes are there he's just buddy healed box um am i excited for the new studio ghibli movie yes man uh <laughs> Studio Ghibli rocks. Um, my favorite is Princess Mononoke. I've seen that movie so many times. Um, I like, yeah, Studio Ghibli is awesome. Um, I'm excited for anything they put out. Um, currently, where would I have Pascal around the league tier-wise? Um, fringe All-Star, solid All-Star. Well, right now, he's not even, he wouldn't be in consideration for any type of All-Star. And I, I'm a fan of Pascal's game. And I think obviously he can be much better than he is right now. But um, to start this season, if you collected all the people who vote on it, if you collected, you know, anything like that, um, Pascal wouldn't be in consideration for anything. Scotty would be the lone all-star from the Raptors roster. Um, and then Buddy, is Buddy better than Gary? I think Buddy Heald is better than Gary. Um, but I, I like both of them. And Gary is um, definitely definitely um a quality player who's able to do a lot of good stuff for the raptors and um yeah who knows um not voting just the caliber of player that pascal is yeah i think pascal um i think he's an all-star caliber player that's that's what i think um maybe he falls out of that this year maybe he's able to find his way better this year maybe he keeps shooting like 24 percent from three who knows um but i think pascal is for me right now in in the all-star um he he hasn't played well since Jakob came over particularly uh the the spacing for drives has been more cramped since Jakob came over um Pascal before Jakob was there was basically like I think the third or second highest volume driver um from the wing in the NBA and was very effective creating um since the spacing has kind of dwindled some of his effectiveness has definitely gone down because he is a driving wing and that is his main means of creation. And they've moved Siakam into the post and are trying to create from there. And he's done extremely well in the post this season, but he still needs to be able to drive to utilize, even though he's a little bit less athletic, probably since 2019, 20, a couple groin injuries later, an adductor injury later, 
um, he, he's still quicker than most guys who guard him. And if the guys aren't quicker, typically he'll be a little bit stronger or able to leverage his size in the post. Is there a world where Pascal falls off so hard, becomes a Tobias Harris type, and we can retain him at a cheaper salary? Hmm. I, Pascal's falling to like, I don't know, Tobias Harris type. Tobias can be so feckless at times. He can be so like just not really a part of the 76ers offense. And I would really hate to see that for Pascal over a large sample. And and the thing too is that Tobias has always been a good three-point shooter. <laughs> you know, like Tobias started receiving a lot less of the ball, but he kept shooting it and he's done a pretty good job shooting the basketball. Um, as far as like, he, he's... Tobias has been a, a strong shooter for a long time. He's been a good player for a long time. And I think that he's a very, very impressive for what he's able to do and how he fits into what he's supposed to do on the 76ers. But I think it would be um, disappointing if Pascal kind of fell into, I guess, a Tobias role. Um, maybe not this year where Tobias has been better. Uh, but as far as like uh, Tobias over the last three seasons, Maybe you'd be, if he was like the composite average of those three things, as far as like um, impact. Um, yeah. But yeah, true Tobias was a bad comp, meant more that not star level. I guess Pascal in the next couple of years could fall into that. I think a lot of people thought that as Pascal got older, his shooting would con continue trending up. And it just hasn't, right? Uh, especially to start this season. Um, Pascal needs to get his jumper, particularly the three point shot back up to, it just has to be like 34% and above. Otherwise it's really going to start getting difficult, um, to justify because he is a good cutter. Um, he can finish off of cuts. He should cut more, but he is a good cutter. And as far as like what Pascal is doing best right now, it's good that you can go to him the post and get these big, meaty, efficient possessions out of it. But that is um, that is not enough to justify like being a, a max player or whatever. Like Pascal, I, I think that his usage has been wonky to start this season, certainly. But he has to do a better job in, in how he applies himself sometimes. And you just got to shoot better. Like the jumper just has to be there. It has in the past, so I don't feel bad saying that. He's probably saying it himself. And um, yeah, it's it's tough. You got to be able to shoot the three. Um, and Pascal isn't as good defensively as he once was. He's not as robust in rotation, getting out for closeouts or as a weak side helper as he once was. So if he's going to have, and he's not as effective a driver as he once was. So if he's going to have small steps back in those other areas that typically come along with age, um, you hope that the skill development, the handle, the three-point shot, those kind of tick upwards. And that's, um, that's kind of what the, the usual trade-off is supposed to be. And, and I, I hope and trust that Pascal obviously works on this kind of stuff and that he will trend positively in that direction. But, um, yeah, this was a tough game, man. Uh, I don't know who else to talk about. We've talked a lot about Pascal. We've talked about my bad mic, which my apologies. Um, I'll have to look into this because this did happen maybe back in like April 
or something. Um, maybe May. I think it was when Nick Nurse got fired and I was doing a live stream afterwards. But um, yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, somebody said my voice sounds rough. <laughs> my apologies, everybody. Um, okay, one more question. From Phoenix Playzy. Oh, I have a hard-hitting question for you. Now, would you take 2018-19 Pascal Siakam over any version of Pascal to win a championship just based on the defense and athleticism? Um, I No. Pascal's defense was really good in 2019-20. In fact, when he was having the the bubble performance offensively, which was bad. It was like every touch shot he put up uh, just missed. And that was tough to see. And the three-point shot wasn't going down either. But that Pascal in 2019-20 was probably one of the three best defenders in the bubble. If you guys go back and watch, try not to watch the offense because it wasn't a pretty sight, but Pascal was insane on defense in that Boston series. Seriously, everywhere, like cheating over to blow up pick and rolls while still be able, being able to like get back to the corner, playing a ton of different roles on ball, guarding like um, guarding Kemba, guarding Tatum, guarding Tice, like playing up and down the roster. He was incredible uh, defensively at that point in time. Um, and, and Pascal is a better player now than 2018-19. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's... As like, and you also watch 2019-20, and I was doing this to kind of get a sense of his athleticism. Some of those finishes and stuff at the point of attack, he's definitely quicker back then. But you also look at the context he was playing in back then, and he did such, he had so much more space to work in. And that's what Pascal doesn't really have right now. And neither does Scotty, for what it's worth. I'd love to see both of these guys with their current skill sets, with their current athleticism, play in more space because they both deserve it, but neither is getting it, which is, it's too bad, obviously. Um, but yeah, Lowry, Lowry can run an offense like nobody else. He's unbelievable. Uh, everybody in Toronto has been spoiled over the Kyle Lowry era. And it's no wonder that the offense fell off a cliff, especially the half court offense fell off a cliff as soon as he left because he, he was one of the best organizers in all of basketball. He's a Hall of Fame guard, in my opinion. I think he will be represented in the Hall of Fame someday. And he's just, yeah. Kyle was an unbelievable organizer of the four, an unbelievable lead guard. Um, yeah, he's awesome. I think that's where I'm going to cut it. I don't even know if I'll release the audio version of this if the, if the audio is so bad. Um, I'll have to, like I guess, listen back to it. My apologies to everybody for that. Obviously, that's no fun having crackling cable in your ear, I guess, or whatever. But thank you to everybody who kind of popped in for this. Um, I thought uh, I thought it was interesting. You guys are interested in who I listen to for basketball coverage. I tell all my friends the same thing. Um, I don't listen to, to basketball stuff um, unless, uh, unless, I don't know, somebody sends something to me and asks me to read it, but... Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, doing basketball. I, like, I go to the games myself. I watch the game. And also, I don't want to take too much from other people. You know, I just want it to be my analysis. Um, but before I started doing this as a job, I listened to as much as possible. You know, I listened to uh, the Low Post. I listened to the Woj pod because if you wanted to hear um, 
if you wanted to hear like a player interview or something or a coach or I listened to Masai's episode on Woj when he said like now that I won one chip I want way more and um yeah I I don't read all of Caitlin's stuff um Caitlin and I typically what we'll do is if we want the other person to read it it'll be sent but we don't do that very often um and as far as like what else would I listen to I listened to Blake uh, and Eric on Raptors Reasonableist when they did the athletic podcast. I uh, didn't listen to Will Lou when he was at Yahoo, but I used to work at Foot Locker. I was the backroom manager. And when I was like moving boxes, I would listen to Will Lou and Blake and Zarar way back in like the between, I guess, like maybe like 2014 and 2016 or so. I listened when I was at Foot Locker. Um, I, I would even, I just wanted so much like stuff the same way you guys say, like you, you take in a lot of people's work. I would read as much stuff about the Raptors as possible. Um, who else? Um, Joe Wolfond, I really like to read if he puts out a big piece. I know he's taking a lot of time on that, but again, the, these are people, these are friends who all they'll say they're working on a piece and then it'll get sent to me. But as far as just like having a, having something I do like listening to stuff, no, it's um, yeah, Tombre Tombre or Timbre Timbre or Timber Timber. I don't, I don't know how to say that. I think my brother made fun of me once for calling uh, oh Tomber Tomber right? Is the Tomber anyway? Um, <laughs> uh, my uh, my brother made fun of me once for saying that word wrong, and um, but anyway, you say gotta separate work from regular life. That's the truth. That is absolutely the truth. Um, I used, I would listen to a lot of sports stuff when I was working as like, um, a carpenter doing carpentry and stuff like that. And, but now since I do basketball, I try not to listen to too much of it. Um, I listen to mostly political stuff. Tambor. <laughs> I didn't get it once even right. I gave it like five guesses. That's pretty funny. Yeah. It's a musical term. Yes. Obviously I'm not very literate in musical stuff. Cash and Wolfond always good on rap show. Certainly. Okay, before I get out of here, do I think Zach Levine would be a good fit on the Raptors? Yes. Do I think he's enough that the Raptors should trade, let's say, Pascal Siakam to reshuffle? Probably not. And uh, do I think Zach Levine could be traded So, and with the Raptors keeping like Pascal, Scotty, and OG and really trying to build around those four? I don't think it would be enough. I think that probably the best thing going forward is to focus on Scotty and keep in mind what maximizes him. And I I wouldn't risk it for Levine. Although I do like Levine's game, and I do think he's a solid fit with the Raptors. Um, I'm looking, if I'm the Raptors, I'm looking firmly at what prioritizes Scotty and his future and setting my team building to that. That's what I'm doing. Um, and I try not to let anything risk that. Scotty's been unbelievable to start this year. He was unbelievable tonight. You listeners, you've been unbelievable tonight. Thanks for sticking along with me. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, you guys, as always, are insightful, enjoyable, and engaging. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, you guys are the best. Uh, yeah, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>